Volume Three, Chapter Two of the Old Manor House. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Old Manor House by Charlotte Turner Smith. Volume Three, Chapter Two. Orlando, already repenting, though he hardly knew why, that he had told the gamekeeper so much, was very unwilling to entrust him with more. He had not so exactly described the way of his communication with Monimia as to enable any other person to find it, and he wished rather to recall than to increase the confidence he had placed in a man of whom he knew very little and who might perhaps make an ill use of his confidence. A new difficulty therefore arose. He knew not what to do with Jacob and the horses, which he now repented that he had used. If he sent them on to his father's, it would be suspected by a family, who were every hour looking out for him, that he had stayed behind with Monomia. If he left them in the wood, the man would probably be discontented, and if he sent them to an alehouse near the mill at the extremity of the park, Pattinson, who was the great friend and patron of the man who kept it, or some of the other servants might be there, whose inquiries could neither be satisfied nor evaded. Determined, however, as he was to open his heart to his father before his last adieu, he after some deliberation resolved to send them home, and he thought the inquiries his father would make would give him a good opportunity to put an end, at least as far as he could, to a mystery of which he felt ashamed as unworthy of himself and of the object of his affection. Thus resolved, he told the gamekeeper he meant to return back to the hall in the hope of seeing Monimia for five minutes, and that he should go to West Wolverton with his horse and portmanteau, whither he would himself follow in about two hours, as he should tell his father, if he asked after him, on hearing or seeing the horses arrive without him. The man obeyed, and Orlando, making a circuit through the woods in order to return to the hall by their least frequented way, and to have as little of the open part of the park to cross as possible, arrived once more at the mansion, which he had so lately quitted as for the last time. He walked very slowly on purpose, and his thoughts were such as brought them with only dejection and sorrow. He could not help recollecting with regret those hours now gone for ever, when in his early youth he traversed these paths, happy in the present and thoughtless of the future, when he had no passion to torment, no fears for its object to depress him, but went to Monomia with the same simple eagerness as any of his sisters or his other playfellows and was unconscious that the rest of their lives would be embittered with anxiety and disappointment, perhaps remorse. Orlando already felt something like it, 
with the most candid and ingenuous temper he had lived some time in a course of deception he had taught it to the innocent unsuspecting monomia and had sullied the native candour and integrity of her character the sophistry by which he had formerly prevailed upon her to consent to their clandestine meetings now seemed mean and contemptible but perhaps in thinking thus orlando was too much like other transgressors who repent because they can sin no more he thought himself however firmly determined that had he stayed at the hall he would at whatever hazard act with more openness but as he was going from it there could be no harm in this last adieu in writing to monimia there could be nothing wrong especially as he meant not to make a secret of it to his father and selina nor indeed to any of his own family while the peculiarities of mrs rayland and the watchful malignity of mrs leonard seemed fully to justify his not revealing to them what would be so hazardous to monimia and himself amid these disquieting and contradictory reflections he at last reached the hall it was the darkest of december nights but calm and still orlando walked slowly round the house which save a glimmering light from the window of mrs leonard's room bore no appearance of being inhabited his longing eyes which had anxiously watched for some consoling beam from the turret whither they had so often been turned with transport now sought for the propitious ray in vain still it was possible monomia might be there but from her aunt's late suspicions deprived of a light and as the house seemed perfectly quiet he ventured up to the well-known door and listened a while tapped at it no answer was given he repeated the signal louder still no delicious sounds were heard in return and convinced at length that his project had wholly failed and monimia was still a prisoner he became half frantic from the reflection that he had hazarded their secret in vain he had in vain imagined a finesse and asserted a falsehood and perhaps must at last go without seeing her his heart torn at once by his own sufferings and by the idea of hers in stepping back to return down the stairs when after a long stay all hope had forsaken him his foot struck something before him which seemed to be a parcel as not a ray of light entered the place where he was he felt for this with his hands and at length finding it he discovered it to be a small book it was tied with a pack-thread and orlando immediately supposed what was indeed the truth that monimia not being permitted to return that evening to sleep in her former apartment had however on some pretence or other entered it and deposited at the door that book which contained a letter he opened the book with trembling hands and found what he had expected by the seal but to read it was impossible where he had no means of procuring light 
he therefore put it into his pocket as eagerly as if he was afraid somebody would take it from him and then ran towards home where hardly feeling the ground as he went he arrived in a state of mind so uneasy and confused that he no longer was capable of caution or reserve but hastening into the kitchen where he first perceived a light he snatched up a candle without speaking and was hurrying with it to his own room when his father who had been anxiously waiting his arrival opened the door through which he was preparing to pass upstairs and seeing him pale and breathless his eyes wild and his hair dishevelled he concluded that something very terrible had happened to his brother the rash unthinking and vehement character of philip his wild profusion and unsettled principles had of late so harassed the imagination of his father that he now thought only of committing suicide and the sudden appearance of orlando in such an agitated state struck him with the idea that this fatal event had happened almighty god cried he as he seized the arm of orlando who muttering something would have passed to his room almighty god what i have dreaded has happened orlando who thought at that moment only of monimia and was impatient at every interruption was however so struck with this exclamation and with the look of anguish that accompanied it that he stopped and with terror equal to that with which he had been addressed cried what my dear sir for heaven's sake what has happened my mother my sisters oh your brother interrupted mr somerive tell me the worst at once it cannot be more dreadful than my fears represent it indeed sir i know nothing of my brother nothing has happened to him that i know of i hope you have heard nothing no cried mr somerive a little recovering from his apprehensions speak low orlando i would not for the world alarm your mother who is in bed but your looks your haste your staying out and your sudden appearance gave me i know not what idea that some dreadful accident had happened to poor philip dear sir replied orlando you will really destroy yourself if you give way to such horrible apprehensions philip i am persuaded is well pray compose yourself i am extremely sorry i alarmed you and beg you will make yourself easy ah orlando said mr somerive as he sat down in the parlour whither he desired his son to follow him ah orlando you relieve me from one misery only to plunge me into another less insupportable indeed but still most painful to me what is the meaning my dear boy of these haggard looks of this disordered manner of these late walks and this breathless return some mystery hangs over your actions which cannot but be injurious since those actions were they not such as your own conscience condemns need not be concealed from your family from your father they shall not sir replied orlando warmly i will not leave you in doubt about my conduct 
you will find nothing in it that need make you blush for your son spare me but this one night and to-morrow there shall not be a wish of my heart concealed from you alas poor boy said mr somerive tenderly i guess but too much of them already but orlando i depend on your integrity i have never known it deceive me go therefore now and let me not see to-morrow that wild and unsettled look that pale countenance and so many symptoms of suffering which i my son see but too plainly and yet dare hardly say i pity for fear i should encourage what i ought to condemn then with a deep sigh he added good night dear orlando i will go and endeavour to compose myself or at least conceal from your mother the uneasiness that devours me ah my child many and many nights i do not close my eyes the sad image of philip bringing ruin on himself on my wife and on my poor girls haunts me eternally and then orlando when my expectation rests on you when i think that i have another son who will protect and support them when i am gone for i feel that i shall not live long then on the apprehension of some fatal entanglement that will ruin all our hopes comes over my heavy heart and i see nothing for my wife and my dear girls but poverty and despair ah oh, this is too much cried orlando i cannot indeed bear it what shall i say what shall i swear to quiet these distracting apprehensions good god sir what have i ever done what selfish actions have i ever been guilty of which could lead my father to suppose that to gratify myself i would abandon my dear my affectionate mother or forget the interest of my sweet sisters nay orlando you never have given me reason for such a supposition but let us talk of it no more once more good night orlando then kissed his father's hand and left him eagerly he tore open the letter which had already from his extensive impatience occasioned to him so much pain it contained these few words my aunt refuses to let me return to my former room this night and you well know i dared not press it i could obtain no more than permission to go thither for half an hour to put it to rights as she has told me i shall go back to it to-morrow and i use that opportunity to leave this letter enclosed in a book which i hope you will not miss orlando if you go to-morrow we shall meet no more but as you mention not setting out till monday morning i flatter myself that if that is so you will not go without seeing me at all events i will be in the great pond wood between four and five to-morrow evening and will wait on the old bench not far from the boat-house i will not say what i shall suffer till you come if indeed you do come but be not uneasy for me for my aunt will have no doubt of your being quite out of the country by to-morrow and therefore will let me go out to walk without any questions if you can come 
I shall not expect to find an answer at my door. If you cannot, but indeed, Orlando, my trembling hand and the tears that fall upon the paper, prevent me saying any more. I cannot write a farewell to you, but if I never should see you again, do not forget me, Orlando, and may God bless you and make you happy. The paper was indeed blistered, and some of the words almost obliterated by the tears that had mingled with the ink. Orlando kissed these marks of tender sensibility a thousand and a thousand times. He laid the precious paper to his heart, and believed the talisman abated its throbbing, then took it to read again, and endeavoured to calm his spirits with the assurance that he should meet the adored writer of it, and repeat an hundred times prostrations of tenderness which he never felt more forcibly than now. But as soon as his disquieting apprehensions about Monimia, and his fears of not seeing her, were appeased, the scene he had just passed through with his father reoccurred with more acute pain to his mind. He had promised to reveal the secret which was already suspect, but though he firmly adhered to this resolution, surely his father would not insist upon his promise to give up all thoughts of Monimia. That he felt to be a promise which he could not make. His whole heart recoiled from it. Ah, why was it thus impossible to reconcile his duty and his love? And why should his attachment to Monimia be inconsistent with the attention his family would have a right to, if his father should die? The very idea of his father's death was insupportable, and yet he was going from him, and could not watch his health, or contribute to his comfort. Thus wretched Orlando tried in vain to sleep. His blood throbbed tumultuously in his veins. His heart seemed too big for his bosom. By carrying his thoughts of the dreadful parting of the next day, he was rendered incapable of tasting any present repose, and day appeared before his troubled thoughts had so wearied his frame as to allow him to fall into unquiet slumber. Even his short and disturbed sleep, tormenting visions assailed him. He saw the funeral of his father, who yet appeared living, or at least appearing to him, though dead, and pointing with one hand to his mother and his sisters, while with the other he waved him away from Monimia, who, at a distance, seemed to sit dejected and alone in a wild and dreary scene, where birds of prey screamed around her, from which she endeavoured to escape towards Orlando, and held out her hands to him for help in vain. A repetition of these unformed horrors took away all inclination to sleep. At seven o'clock Orlando left his bed, more dejected than ever he felt before, and dreading the dialogue that must ensue, he joined his father, who was walking melancholy and alone in the garden. End of Volume 3 Chapter 2 Recording by Elaine Webb, Bristol, England